Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. There are few countries in the world as hyper-connected on Facebook as the Philippines. And here, President Rodrigo Duterte and his allies are using Facebook to advance their so-called war on drugs, which has resulted in the deaths of thousands of people, mostly through extrajudicial killings. All the while, so-called Facebook influencers are spreading false information, even a faked pornographic image, to undermine leaders in the Philippines who are critical of Duterte. It is a nightmare situation and one in which Facebook is an accomplice. If you want a glimpse of a dystopian future in which authoritarian leaders harness the power of social media to carry out human rights abuses and suppress their political opponents, you need look no further than the Philippines today. On the line with me to discuss the deleterious effect of Facebook on democracy in the Philippines is Davy Alba. She is a reporter with BuzzFeed who wrote a deeply reported long-form article examining the mechanics of how Duterte and his allies have harnessed Facebook to advance an authoritarian agenda while undermining domestic political opposition. Facebook has very much become a tool of Duterte's drug war, and what is happening in the Philippines right now should serve as a profound warning about Facebook's potential to undermine democracy. Before we get started, I did want to make a quick plug. Thank you to everyone who is reviewing the show on iTunes. I so appreciate it. Thank you for your uh, support, for leaving your reviews. And if you're a premium subscriber, a double thank you to you. If you'd like to become a premium subscriber, you can do so using the button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. It uh, unlocks a number of, of rewards and bonus episodes. Thank you in advance. All right, here is my conversation with reporter Davey Alba. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So we found that... This month, earlier this month, um, one of the influencers, very outspoken pro-Duterte influencers on Facebook, posted this really incendiary post saying it would be fun to think about a firing execution, firing squad execution for Senator Trillianis, who is a very vocal critic of the Duterte administration and specifically his war on drugs. Um, and he, he called, Duterte actually called for him to be put in jail. So this is an ongoing thing. Trillianis has kind of 
um, ensconced himself in the Senate building to, you know, escape kind of what he says is an illegal arrest. Hmm. And uh, RJ Nieto, or Thinking Pinoy, this um, influencer, uh, posted this thing, and under it were 100 comments that directly called for the violence against Trillianis. He's basically rallying people. So what does Facebook have to say about this call to violence against a politician who is vocally opposed to Duterte and Duterte's putative war on drugs? So we contacted Facebook as part of this, um, as part of looking into this post, and they actually said that it was not a call to violence, though not explicitly. They basically just told us that it did not violate, violate their community standards and, you know, we're a little bit doing some guesswork here, but because it might be because he said it would be fun to think about a firing squad execution for Senator Trillianis, that that wasn't directly calling for that action. But kind of like parsing the grammar. Exactly. The intent is is certainly clear. And there's like a history and a pattern of this kind of behavior that you detail so masterfully, I think, in in your long future article that that, that we'll talk about. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But yeah, yeah, but but Facebook had really nothing to say about it. Yeah, and this post got shared nearly 3,000 times or 12,000 reactions on it and more than 1,000 comments. We found over 100 comments that were violent and, you know, Facebook erased some of the comments after we inquired about the post, but said it didn't violate their community standards. And that's really troubling because it's at this cusp of, you know, something happening in the Philippines. Like, he could be put in jail and Facebook could do something about it at this point, but their refusal to kind of act on it is really frustrating. So this senator is the latest in the series of politicians who are in opposition to Duterte, who have been the subject of malicious social media posts, specifically like Facebook posts um, that, um, you know, have, have resulted in um, sort of their declining political fortunes, which then enable Duterte to more easily put them in jail for no good reason. Um, We'll, we'll talk about some of these examples, but before we get into this, I just want to take a step back and have you explain to me and to the audience, just how, like powerful Facebook is in the Philippines specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So Facebook went public in 2012 and part of going public is, you know, this idea of where do you grow next? And in 2013, a year after it went public, Facebook looked at the Philippines as a kind of proving ground for its uh, ambitions to, you know, sort of uh, take over the world, I guess. And the Philippines was a, a great target because it has the Filipinos have a deep love for social media and pretty poor internet related infrastructure. So Facebook launched this experiment. It was called Free Facebook. And the idea was to partner with a local carrier to offer free, basic internet services. This grew into something called internet.org, which it launched eventually in many countries around the world. Um, And to this day, Facebook is free in the Philippines, and 100% of people with an internet connection have a Facebook account. So that's about 69 million people at this point, and Facebook is at absolute saturation. 
Um, it's it's worth noting that most people, you know, the Philippines is a persistently poor nation, and for a lot of people in the Philippines, the only way to get online is to connect to this free Facebook. So Facebook is the internet for a lot of people there. And, and I just know having, you know, maintained and, and managed a website, UN Dispatch, for, for many years, you know, 10 years at least, that, you know, in the early days when, like, something took off in the Philippines, the post office, we got, like, flooded with traffic from the Philippines. There was mm -hmm. just, like, this real enthusiasm early on and early adoption of, of social media. And it just seems that whereas sort of Facebook's internet.org was kind of a failure elsewhere, it was a smashing mm -hmm. success in the Philippines. So, you know, as mm -hmm. you said, like, for all intents and purposes, Facebook is the internet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, in, in other places in the world, um, most notably India, they had, you know, sort of strong ideals of net neutrality. And so free basics was actually banned there. But in the Philippines, it still is the, the way to connect to the Internet. And so in what ways ha did the campaign of Rodrigo Duterte um, seize on and, and capitalize on this this trend in ways that, you know, his, his political opponents did not? Yeah. So at that point, um, you know, Duterte doesn't use Facebook himself, but he hired social media strategists who I interviewed um, and they launched a campaign on Facebook that to an outsider might look like a grassroots campaign. Um, truly, if you look at sort of the documents and the strategy of these um, social media gurus, they wanted to stoke fear and anger. And that was something that was their goal. So they had this really strong image of Duterte as you know, this um, outsider who wasn't enmeshed in Manila politics, which a lot of people think of as sort of elite, elite politicians. And he promised Filipinos a really swift end to drugs, crime and the status quo. And that was in a lot of ways what Filipinos were yearning for. Um, and he absolutely dominated the elections that that way. Um, it's worth saying six months ahead of the United States, a lot of the misinformation and the sort of parallel world of a pro-Trump Internet, uh, especially on social media that existed in the Philippines months ahead. Yeah, I mean, you have this like the, the parallel, it seems is that you they're both like charismatic authoritarian leaders. But I, I think the difference is that the Philippines is a, a far more addicted to Facebook country than even the United States is, yeah. which, which seemed to be like a potent and volatile combination. Yeah, I would push back on charismatic. I think, I mean, I think his message resonates with a lot of people, but it, you know, even when he was running for president, he would very, uh, you know, aggressively push this idea that um, the drugs are what ails the country that's what ails the Philippines and if you just sort of he called for you know extrajudicial killings um, even then and if you just sort of take that out of the picture through essentially murdering people who use or push drugs then you would solve what is wrong with the Philippines which I guess resonated with a lot of people especially when it's such an angry and fearful message. So, so can you talk a little bit about 
how Duterte has used these kind of influencers and who these influencers are to um, amplify his message and also the uh, vilify his his political uh, opponents. Yeah. So there are three influencers that are very well known in the Philippines. That includes, you know, the transgender rights activist Sass Sasslet, who has more than six hundred fifty thousand followers. Uh, a blogger named RJ Nieto or Thinking Pinoy, who has one point two million followers, and. Uh, absurdly, a former pop singer named Mocha Uson, who uh, used to sort of do these Facebook lives, um, you know, giving sex advice and, and you know, sort of promoting herself as a musical artist who has fi- 5.7 million followers. And they all position themselves as propaganda clearinghouses for Duterte. And, you know, they, in a lot of ways, coordinate the message that they push out. And it's always defending Duterte's, uh, you know, positions of authoritarian policies. Um, You know, there are so many examples of what they've pushed into the media, um, including, uh, you know, that the Chief Justice Maria Lourdes Serrano was not fit to be the chief justice of the Philippines. She's also an opponent of Duterte, obviously. Um, there was fake news that went around, circulated on Facebook in the Philippines, that she was trying to leave the country amid this um, impeachment complaint filed against her. Um, almost most egregiously was is the example of Senator Lila de Lima, who was a former Human Rights Commission uh, head and she was investigating Duterte for extrajudicial killings in Davao, where he was mayor before he ran for president in the Philippines. And basically, they smeared her character, you know, latching onto any piece of negative news, real or fake, that they could push into the narrative. And the worst was this uh, sex tape that uh, allegedly. Uh, circulated that, you know, has never surfaced. But this went around, like the still images of this alleged video went around on Facebook and Duterte himself latched onto it and said, you know, Duterte, uh, Delima is not just screwing her driver, her chauffeur, who he alleged was the bag man uh, that she employed in... <laughs> a jail in the Philippines to collect payment for drugs uh, and that she was sort of the mastermind behind that operation. So Duterte said she's not only screwing her driver, she's screwing the nation. Um, and so, so basically like you, you have like this kind of fake porn thing, you have these fake scandals, mm-hmm. um, but they're amplified on Facebook and, and, and there's um, they're, they're, they're sort of, made to sound like these really awful illegal things are are happening. And that seems to me, just based on, on reading your, your article, that like erodes any political support there might be for 
this senator or this justice. And that seems to enable uh, the government to go after them with criminal prosecutions, even though these charges are, are, are false because they've been sort of smeared and their image has been so tarnished. There doesn't seem to be like much political support for them. So that gives the government um, wider room to, to trump up these yeah. fake criminal charges. And, and so, I mean, that seems to have resulted in the Senator Lila Dilemma in, to be put in jail, right? You interviewed her from jail, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Um, she wrote to us from jail, and she basically pointed to Facebook and this campaign of fake news against her as, you know, a substantial factor in her being there. She called them responsible, basically, for um, not doing anything when they knew this was a problem. I guess, and, and so what can facebook do and you actually have a really and what i I guess first what has been facebook's response and secondly like perhaps one of my the more interesting like like nuggets from from your piece was how you sort of insinuate or or explain that sort of facebook has kind of taken like a an american and european like approach to remedying this Mm -hmm. issue that's Mm -hmm. not fit for the context of the Philippines. So, so can you describe, I guess, first, what has Facebook tried to do to um, reduce the prevalence of this fake news and why has it been so terribly insufficient? So Facebook says that it has content moderators that cover every time zone in the world and it's adding more people to safety and security. And in the Philippines, it says it's partnering with experts to improve digital literacy and that the content moderators actually speak, you know, Filipino dialects, um, including Tagalog and Cebuano and Tausug. Um, but it's not clear how much they, how much this effort, how big this effort is. Um, and to your point about sort of this um, Western-minded way of dealing with it, you know, Facebook has a strong First Amendment free speech. Um, sort of ethos about it. And so they'd rather let, you know, these uh, posts stay up. And especially when it's, it seems like there are a lot of followers and a lot of people listening to influencers that almost gives them a higher leg up to keep using the platform. Uh, Meanwhile, a lot of these uh, pro-Duterte supporters can actually game the system and get some people off the platform, as we we saw with um, uh, one of the people I interviewed, Joe Verlario, who tried to run an anti-administration blog on Facebook. So it seems, I should say, that, that Facebook's remedies so far have been terribly insufficient to the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So so the remedies have been, you know, more content moderation and fact checking, um, you know, sort of outsourcing the work as uh, some, you know, fact checker organizations that have been tasked with doing this have told me, um, you know, they they basically do the work for Facebook and they absolutely see that more fake news is shared by pro Duterte um, uh, sort of um, actors, but they, you know, it's just not enough. As as one academic told me. Um, there's no fact checking our way out of this problem and the solutions have to come from the platform. But Facebook doesn't want to be seen as, you know, 
partisan one way or another. So they're outsourcing this stuff and it's taxing the academics and the journalists who could be actually reporting on this very, very important story that's still ongoing in the Philippines about Duterte's drug war in which more than 12,000 Filipinos have been killed now. In what ways has Facebook contributed to the degradation of democratic norms and institutions, which were already kind of weak in the Philippines to start with? Um, in what ways have they sort of accelerated that degradation? Mm -hmm. Well, their algorithms work to surface more outrageous news. Um, and that has sort of been, uh, that stuff leans towards more pro-Duterte stuff because Duterte, anytime he speaks, you know, his uh, rhetoric is very aggressive and sort of unbelievable. He just says, it's very Trumpian in a lot of ways. And when Facebook's algorithms are prioritizing this stuff, the the stories about Duterte and the the point of view that provides cover for his authoritarian administration, that appears higher. And the rest of the reporting and, um, you know, sort of dissent um, do just doesn't appear higher in the newsfeed. And so people uh, are less aware of what's going on. And the, the way Facebook works is it seems like there are all these people who are clamoring for, you know, sort of his side. And so that it's plausible that um, what's going on with his administration is not, you know, the it's not the popular opinion in the Philippines that people understand and are dissenting. Do you believe that Facebook is, is an accomplice in, in a way to the, the drug war that's killed 12,000 people, this kind of campaign of extrajudicial killing against people who use drugs and other kind of political opponents of Duterte? I don't think that Facebook understood what, how its platform would be used in the Philippines. I think at the point that they came to the country, they were only thinking about scale. And the Philippines was perfect for scale. But it does turn out that, you know, they have accelerated a lot of speech that provides political cover for and seeming support for his war on drugs and the real reporting that happens in the country about that war on drugs gets buried when it comes to rhetoric that is, you know, inflammatory and outrageous that just appears higher and absolutely floods the media. You know, once it's on Facebook, mainstream media will pick it up. And there's this idea now of, you know, us versus them, similar to the U.S., where it's alternative media sources and you can't trust mainstream media. And it's just making a mess of political discourse in the Philippines and absolutely impacting you know, what's going on with the drug war, what continues to go on with the drug war. And lastly, what steps do you think Facebook can and should take to, to address this situation? I think they should think more deeply about how, how Western values apply to a country whose institutions are already so weak. I think they should listen to the academics and the journalists who are kind of calling for help and have been for over two years 
they should, you know, sort of really look, take a look at what their algorithm prioritizes and, you know, kind of they're, they're complicit because they don't, because they try not to make decisions about what ends up on Filipinos news feeds, on their Facebook news feeds. But a lot of the stuff that ends up there because of the algorithm that they program to get at scale is really harmful. And they should take a look at how that algorithm works in the Philippines and, you know, sort of try to address that. Uh, well, Davey, thank you so much for your time and, and for that tremendous article and, and your subsequent reporting on this issue. I mean, it, it just like seems this topic has um, the current of so many issues in, in um, global affairs kind of floating through it. Authoritarianism, the role of Facebook, the, erod the eroding of, of democratic norms. It's just like it's, it's all there and it's all happening, it seems to me at an accelerated pace in, in the Philippines. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we sort of were thinking about this article as the dystopia of what happens when Facebook totally saturates a country and what might that future look like. And I think you have a pretty good answer in the Philippines where it's already happening. Um, great. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Davey Alba. That was uh, disturbing, to say the least, but but an important, I think, uh, warning sign for the, the road that may lay ahead, at least here in the United States, for sure. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.